one more time. Is it one of your favorites? I do like this tune. I really, really do like it. I also love this tune. Pat Thomas, Mr. Golden Voice, legendary vocalist and master storyteller. Let me also speak. I've got a mouth to speak. I've got ears to hear. So give me that freedom to express myself. This is a recent version of the classic song I filmed in Accra recently with Kwame Yaboa as arranger, band leader and co-producer. It just takes me back to childhood. It was actually my dad that got me in, got us into high life. I mean, I'll explain a little bit about that later, but it just reminds me because he used to play that tune quite a lot. He had it on. Um, he was a Pat Thomas fan, was he? Yeah, he was. African most, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he had like the 78s and then, you know, the 45 records oh, as well. Precisely. So, yeah. Ten table. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Megaphone or yeah, and then um, the wax. Oh, you know the Blaupunkt yeah. um, record players, so like the the radiogram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They had the radiogram. Her Majesty voice. Yes. They had a gramophone which was branded like that. Yeah. It comes out and everybody's excited. <laughs> Sometimes they've got better sound quality than what we've got now. Absolutely. But um, yes, yeah. yeah, so I remember he he had that. I think that record is even in our house in Ghana, actually. Mm. And then, you know, he taped it and stuff. So sometimes if we'd be going in the car, it would be playing. And, you know, that's yeah. what it just kind of reminds me of. again sort of like childhood memories and everything and then I discovered it again because he'd been performing in Amsterdam yeah. and you know like with his other band called the Kwashibu area band mm. yeah led by Kwame Aboa yeah it's a really lovely yeah. tune and you can sort of again another kind of example yeah. of uh, guitar highlight I grew up in Nottingham. I in the um, UK. yeah, in the UK, yeah. East Midlands, yeah. Um, and yeah, I grew up, spent most of my life there until I became came down to London as a student yeah. when I was nineteen. Yeah. So, but yeah, we Ghanaian had parents, Ghanaian parents, yeah. Ashanti, Konungu, okay, okay, okay. When you talk about parties, childhood, mm -hmm. just give me a little description of a, a Ghanaian party in Nottingham. <laughs> okay, let me try not to laugh. <laughs> 
summertime, um, we'd have like, because I belong to the Ghana Union, so we had the Ghana Union, which was set up in, 19, in the early 1960s. My mum and dad were part of it, and then, you know, just the whole community. So then every, they'd have meetings every Sunday, and then they'd organise like a party in the summer at this place called UK. In somebody's house or somebody's house? Well, sometimes it was, hall or I think it started off in people's houses, but then eventually um, they had it in this hall called UKD yeah. in, in St Anne's in yeah. Nottingham. So, yeah, we'd be there and um, obviously there'd be loads of food, there'd be loads of drinks and people get a little bit too drunk, you know. A little bit. A little bit. So. And sometimes it might not be just... <laughs> just like, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, like a petishy <laughs> drinking more of it and that's 95% alcohol, but we move. Yeah. But then anyway, you know, like there'd always the be music high life the... music and, you know, like everybody would be just really happy and stuff. And... <laughs> Then occasionally a few arguments fights. and fights. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember one, I think it was 1984, <laughs> and I remember, like, you know, a Big chair one. being thrown at somebody, and that's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, you know, obviously it just kind of, like, reinforces. The high life, yeah, it kind of brings people together it as does. well, and they remind themselves what they've left yeah, yeah. behind in Ghana. And, and then uh, what they've brought here. So yeah. you've got that sense of community, And then obviously, I mean, as you know, as we know, because like, mm. you know, music is very much a part of our culture. Yeah. It's it's telling our stories. Obiba broke another vintage version of Kwame Ampedu's classic. A promising young man is literally drowning with his dreams. A tearjerker parties, if ever there was one. This is powerful prose delivered with proverbial finesse. Sometimes it's kind of, remind, like you say, reminding us of mm. what we left. But then also because, you know, you're in Britain and you're in a kind of culture which is outside of your own I think this is really really important as a way of trying to sort of keep that yeah. keep that sense of who many other things as well but yeah. that's a key but then you know it. high life has multi-layered meaning for some it might remind them of good times maybe not so good times mm. here and vice versa so it becomes a moment where people get quite emotional in many yeah. ways and yeah. it can lead in any direction no it, it can it can I mean it can lead to fights but then it can also you know like you say reunions I mean, it can, and, reunions yeah, nostalgia times, yeah. you know Again, I remember one one time my mum discovered all these records from the 50s and I think E.T. Mensa was one of them. Yeah. 
Um, and King of her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she decided to have a 50th night. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. so like at that time, mm. you know, she was a kid at school and everything. But, yeah. you know, those high life tunes were coming out around mm. the time of independence. Yeah. So we had the 50s night with all the, you know, with the people from Nottingham, with the Guardian community who were just sort of of a similar age at that time. So, yeah. period around Ghana's independence in 1957 was definitely very exciting for High Life. High Life was officially adapted as the music of the new nation and it expressed the optimism of the times. Brisk upbeat drums, flashy horns and cheerful vocals. <laughs> Not forgetting the sweet rhythms. Interesting you mentioned E.T. Mesa, who was crowned king of high life. Actually, he welcomed Louis Armstrong, the American trumpeter, to a cry in 1956. Mike Egan, the legendary broadcaster, had a very interesting story to tell. That was a fantastic, wonderful occasion. I had been involved with jazz music, in fact I was on radio for some time and I did programs on jazz music. And when Louis Armstrong was coming to Ghana, I needed to be at the airport to welcome Louis Armstrong. So I managed to travel all the way from Takaradi, which is about 147 miles from Accra, to Accra. Went to the airport and we stood there for some time. When the plane touched down, many of the Ghanaian bands, led by E.T. Mensa, who was crowned the king of high life, was at the airport to welcome Louis Armstrong. Then he started playing, all for you, E.T., all for you. I the way to you, Papa. I the way to you, Mommy. I the way to you, Papa, oh, all for you. Louis Armstrong came out of the gangway, heard the music, did that, went back to the plane, brought his trumpet, and he joined and he fitted in so beautifully. I said, he's been playing high life all his time. And he took a solo and everybody went, wow. We are going to have the centenary of high life very soon. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. One of the originators said, there's nothing that has happened in the world that has not been told in a high life. So, I mean, I think that's just um, that's just amazing because I did actually, I was saying to you earlier on and stuff, but I did actually hear some high life from 1928. Um, it was Yam Ponsa and they've done so many different versions of yeah, that song. Yeah. You know, right from, I uh, can't remember who was it that did yeah. it then? Kwame uh, Sorry, yeah, Kwame the originator, yeah, yeah, 28, yeah. He recorded the first High Life song on vinyl in London. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, 1928, that's, you know, the departure okay. for for that musical genre, you know. Okay. There were all types of music before, but mm -hmm. High Life on a guitar, yeah. 
the acoustic, the voice telling the story in chi or fancy. It's a beautiful song. In a lot of ways, it kind of relates to what I research as an autobiographer. The song, which is literally High Life's DNA, praises the beauty of a woman. Yeah, I love this instrumental version by Linguist, a leading Ghanaian guitarist. which was the influence of your parents, there must have been other types of music you liked. A young girl growing up in Nottingham, mm. school influences, and then you come home, and there must be some culture classes. Yeah, Tell us. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> My brother mm. liked rock music. Jimi Hendrix, he oh, liked Black okay. Sabbath, he liked that I kind too, of stuff. Oh, really? Know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he liked that. Hendrix and... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Psychedelic black, rock. Yeah. yeah. And then Santana? Black, I'm not so sure about yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, Hawkwind, because he went to go and see Hawkwind a few years mm. ago. My sister liked Lover's Rock. I'm a sociologist by trade and I always yeah. remember um, there was a study by Stan Cohen and it was all about sort of like subcultures and yeah. music was seen as a way of kind of like, you know, separating one generation from another. Yeah. So in our house, I could see that how that applied because like, you know, my brother and my sister, they're going to kill me for saying this, but they got a little bit rebellious. And I think this is partly because obviously they're growing here. We've, we're all growing here. We're having a very different experience to our parents. So, you know, the music was very much seen as the cause of this kind of, um, shall we and say, the music rupture. outside got yes. more rupture. rebellious. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of the older generation were very, very worried about, you know, like us rebelling and, you know, what's happening with the next generation and everything. And, you know, same thing was what Cohen was saying about mm. the mods and the rockers mm. and that, that mm. separation. Mm. So... Um, what forms did it take at home? I mean, you guys used to dress up. As rockers, so no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was just oh, listening yes. to the music and yeah. stuff, and just changing the way that you know we thought. You get into your bedroom closet and just and stomp play up the, the music. volume. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you couldn't always do that, but um, uh, so anyway, they rebelled and stuff. Yeah. And then after that, I just don't remember hearing any other kind of music in our house. It was mm. just high life. Yeah. So for me, officially, of course, in the living room, it was high life. But yeah. what you guys were 
listening to? In, in those days, was it cassettes or was cassettes, it player? Cassettes. Yeah. I mean, later when I grew up, it, yeah. it was sorry in the nineties. Yeah. You know, when I was kind of coming mm. into my own, it was CDs. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but for me, mm. I kind of stumbled across rave music. Really, one day my brother was messing about with the radio dials yeah. and stuff, and he left it. About to leave. And, you know, like there was this rave music and I always remember, ah, oh, I was just like, wow. there's some, this music hit, it hit, hit, hit. Hit you. It's called Zero B Lockup. Zero B Lockup. Oh, yeah, and it was, a ra- it was a rave tune. Can you remember who it was? Or? No, it's just called Zero B, and then the okay. tune is called Lock Up. Oh, okay. Yeah. But who, who played it? Who, who recorded it? Do you know? No, it was on an illegal radio station because my brother left it on. Oh, okay. He was messing about with the dials uh, and he left it on an illegal yeah. radio station. Mm. So I left it. I mean, I, you know, I started listening to those radio stations mm. and stuff. And then obviously, because my room was. Was it pirate stations? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I get you now. It was, it was. Um, and the thing is it's just like later on down the line I found out where, where these pirates tubes um because my cousin used to be he used oh, to be yeah, a DJ yeah. on one of these pirate stations. Guys. Yeah. DBC was a popular black mm. pirate station in London okay. at that time. But not in a master but um, we had a few a we had a, we had a few um, I mean, and they were all centred around sort of like this part of Nottingham called High St Green, and I'm very sure that this is where this one came from. Yeah. So yeah, from then on, I just started listening to that, and I just absolutely loved rave music. And then. Um, there's a story when I kind of went to a rave when I wasn't supposed to and I nearly got caught, you know, uh, and it's just that's another story. An afternoon rave? It was an afternoon rave. Oh, right. But, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, it was we, me and my friends came up with this really stupid plan. So my friends, so there was two years between each of us. So I was yeah. the middle, the other one was 18 and the other one was 14. And yeah. we were just all complaining, oh, you know, we can't do anything, can't, you know. Blah, blah. <laughs> So anyway, the youngest one sort mm. of like decided, she said, oh, why don't we just go? There's a rave on at this place, so why don't we just go? So we were just like, well, how are we going to go? So we made this really silly plan, and we said that, okay, we were going to go and study at each other's houses. Anyway. To, to get permission to leave the house. To leave the house. So anyway, we went to one of my friend's house and everything. We got changed, because I, I remember going up there. And I was just wearing some really mad clothes, like this big jumper, and it was hot and everything, and it was just not the one. I, I must have looked really, really dodgy. Rib, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I got we got there, got changed, put my hot pants on, pants on, had these big black, big white shoes, whoa, rave whoa, shoes. Whoa. <laughs> and then we went to this rave. Anyway, so the rave was actually on the forest and at the same time there was a kind of it was a festival so it had all these mm. different things on anyway so mm. at the time so this is 1991 we didn't have um mobile phones mm-hmm. and um my friend said okay let's meet 45 minutes every 45 minutes just to check but anyway on the second 45 minutes i saw my mum and my her two best friends walking through the festival we Why run. were they doing that? I don't know. They, 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 they must have just decided to go. So, like, 
Good job you saw them first. Yeah, uh, it was actually my friend who saw them. We ran, and, and like the thing is, it was... It, In your hot pads and your he boots. He was mad, he was mad. Because <laughs> at the top of the park there's graves. So my friend started running towards the grave. I started running towards town. The other one started running the other way and stuff. It was madness. It was absolutely madness. So, you know, but after then we were just sort of still going to day... Well, I was still going to daytime raves. Oh, my word. What happened when you went home? Nothing, nothing said, nothing happened. told. No, no, but Nobody we left. Knew. No, 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 we just left after that because we were just like, oh, my God, you know. This is my, I remember my heart was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's oh, um, amazing. I really like the prodigy. Yeah, um, oh, prodigy, yeah. I like um, a DJ. I like quite a lot of DJ Slipmat stuff. I like Prodigy, DJ. Prodigy was that the group with the guy with the. Um, what was it? A horn or something growing in his head. out of his head? Yeah, and then he did Firestarter. That was in '96. But and um, I did a really rude one. I want to slap you or something. Slap you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was a bit yeah, not quite my. Yeah, far out. Yeah. I liked um, okay. you know Slip Mat. I liked yeah. DJ Vibes because yeah. there's a particular tune by DJ Vibe that I absolutely. This is when rave kind of like was crossing into jungle. It's called Sing It Loud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just love that. I love a bit of stomp. A bit. You know. I love dancing, obviously. Yeah. High energy stuff, yeah? Yeah, because kind when, like, like, you know, hard, so when sort of like breakbeat and hardcore, it split off. Mm. So it kind of split off into jungle and then it split off and then there was also happy hardcore. Yeah, so yeah, I like both. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. happy hardcore yeah. is more stompy kind of I must music. say I wasn't so hot on, on rave, but when oh. it started transforming into jungle, mm -hmm. you know, the big one, General mm -hmm. Levy. Yeah. That was the one that yeah. really caught my attention. Wicked, wicked, jungle is massive. Wicked, wicked, jungle is massive. Wicked, wicked, jungle is massive. Wicked, wicked, incredible. Well, big up, all the original jungle is massive. The original dancehall jungle is there. General Levy alongside the MB, the world is in trouble. I will tell a murderer, it goes, I am the... I saw General Levy at one of them dodgy raves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Mm. So what do you remember about that track? Okay, so I remember Junglis Mustang and stuff. And everyone bonkers. Every, you know, like when he started, when he started thinking, and then I was, one of my friends is really random. She's, because he lifted up his arm and she said, how comes that man has got no hair under his armpits? And I was like... How did she notice that? Yeah, I was just like, the tune, this tune's got, everyone's going crazy and stuff like that, and then this is what you're picking. She but was no, paying attention. Big time, big time, big time. But, <laughs> okay, but it was good fun. The jungle music, of course, brought the reggae bass, mm -hmm. a bit of rave. A lot of people really loved the music, but mm -hmm. thought it was a bit of an appropriation. And also in terms of the name, you know, it was like, 
Yeah, the connotations. Jungle, yeah. you know, it's like wild. Of course, the music was strong, very mm-hmm. powerful. From reggae, you know. It did. Barry Lee Scratch and yeah. those guys, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Reggae sound systems, drum and bass, Rebel MC, Maxi and Flaxi, Mad Professor. I mean, it did, and I think in a, in a way, because, you know, with the name Jungle, I because I, I was also reading about this, and I think people were just like, oh, you know, it has, if you, and if you don't understand it, it had particular connotations, but I think this is a good example of how we were sort of, you know, re- retaining, you just taking divide, back. Yeah, defining it just yeah, ourselves. We're taking it back yeah. um, in, it, you know, like and re-owning it and rebranding mm. it. But, you know, like, yes, there was an appropriation, but I think music always evolves anyway. So you know? Yeah, yeah. It's always being transformed, yeah. It does. Your other sister was into Lovers Rock because that's a whole different mm, genre. I, mean, I think, more, like, more I mean, for and her jungle. melodic. And yeah, I think for, 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 for her, jungle is noise. I mean, <laughs> um, my older brother, he, he was also into dub as well. So a lot of the tunes from Jungle came into yeah, dub and everything. Yeah, so yeah. recently there was a very interesting um, video on YouTube which I sent it. The story of Jungle, but I'll save it. I'll send it to you now. Oh, wow. I must say it's been truly fascinating. Well, I'd just like to say thank you for letting me, you know, come to do this podcast. And for several reasons, really, because... Um, Obviously, you know, music is an area that obviously is very, very much a part of me and part yeah. of my life, as, for, as it is for many people. In your work as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm actually you're writing. a professor of sociology. I am. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am. So, like, you know, I'm actually writing a paper on, mm. you know, my experience in the rave culture. So a lot of what we talked about here really feeds into that. Yeah. And now it's forcing me that I have to finish it. And get it published. So, you know, so thank you. And also, it's been lovely to meet you. Just to find out that there's, a, there's you know, there's Kwarteng, a Wusu, yeah, a Wusu Kwarteng. Absolutely. And also that I've, did, I've read your work yeah. through, you know, I, I, I had no idea that it was you. So thank you very, very person, much. For I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just didn't even make the connection. But thank you so much for sure. allowing me to come sure. and, you know, to mm. talk about things that I'm really passionate about and that feed into my work. sure. sure. It's been great, and I can't wait for the next episode. Lots to explore. Felakuti's invention of Afrobeat in Ghana, and the global impact of Afrobeats, Happy Hardcore, and more. Professor Wusu, thank you. Thank you.